Welcome to the Strip Down Know Nothing Podcast, focusing on the bare naked ladies. That's right, from the finish to the start, from I know to stomach versus heart, we're It's All Been Done, the podcast. He's a neighbor who waves while mowing his lawn. That's my co-host, Evan. He's a vegetable garden and a garden... No, fuck, I don't... Saker, I'm gonna be honest, I don't... I don't have it in me anymore, I can't do this, dude. What do you mean? I'm just, I'm just done. Like, I don't know. I got so much shit going on in my life. Like, I, I'm sorry to do this on mic, but like, I, I have to put you, I can't, can't do anymore. You just, you're done with. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm going to walk away. You're done with the podcast in general? I just don't. Do you just, just let's be do, okay, anymore. hold on, no, 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 Because we, we're, we're so fucking close to the end. Let, why don't you just take a week off? No, see, I did this in my grad program too. Like, I was all but dissertation, and it just, I just, when I think of putting any more effort into this, like, it just fills me with a sense of such dread and, like, ennui that I just want to lay down in my bed. Like, I have to stop something I want to do, and then do, like, an hour of research (laughs) per song. Yeah, but, like... And then I, I mean, I I still enjoy talking to you, but I can do that about stuff I want to talk about. but we've come so close. Do you, we would have... Dozens. No, this tens is just diminishing fans. It's diminishing return. Uh, not diminishing returns. Uh, sunk costs, right? I mean, it's both. To be honest, these aren't yes. getting better. <laughs> I mean, just... These are, in fact. Yeah, let's. It's let's... like we're not going to make it big on this. Like you, you, you posited that we were going to like have a big, big deal. We never did. You well, know, you. We got I feel close. lied to. I feel we lied to. to. Paul Myers. Wasn't that fun? Who the fuck is that? <laughs> the guy who wrote the. Never mind. It's not important. Ev, let's take one week You said off. you were going to get me Tom Green. You I, said you were going to get me Paul Rudd. I never said. I said I was going to get you Tom Rudd. That was You said you were going to get me Betty White. I can work on that. There's that possibility. No, no. Not I'm done now. with your fucking lies. Okay, okay. I'm let's just done. Take, let's just take a week off. You know what? Insta- we can't miss this because we got to put out an episode this week. It is really shitty that you did this to me on mic, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think, I couldn't, I feel like if I didn't do it on, I didn't put you on blast, you would have talked me out of it. I'm still going to talk you out of it, because here's what let's do. Let's just take a breather. Let's look into my magic mirror that I bought on eBay. Oh, God, not the magic mirror. No, but it's, it'll, it'll be able to, it'll be nice to look at a different version of ourselves who are doing different things and like, (sighs) you know, we'll see how it worked out for them. Maybe they'll be happy and having a good time. Right? This Wouldn't that like the, revitalize you? This isn't going to be the dick nose like people again, right? I can't guarantee. I cannot choose who I'm looking in on. Is uh, it okay if it's the dick noses? Worms for teeth. God, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, if you could just do once where it isn't body horror, I'd be I, okay with that. I, I, I do not. Con- Let's just this time. I'm going to try very hard to get people who are not absolute freaks of nature. Okay. But I and cannot guarantee it. If this is a good one, it might give me the strength to go on. Really? If it, if it's a good one. Okay. All right. It can't be too good, though. If it's too good, then I'll just feel real, real bad that okay. we're doing such a horrible job. Then I'm going to look in. We're going to look in. Let's see how it is. And maybe I'll see you again in one week? Yeah, we'll see. It's been, 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 it's been.
Welcome to the Stripped Down Know Nothing Podcast, focusing on the bare naked ladies. That's right, whether they're radiant or bleak, from bag of bones to one week, we're It's All Been Done, the podcast. He became a drifter and began to roam. It's my co-host, Evan. He gazes in wonder at the moon and the stars. It's my co-host, Saker. I do. I really do. It causes traffic accidents sometimes, honestly. I don't trust the stars. It's because of the whispers, isn't it? They tell me things, and I don't know if they're true, because the stars have been dead for so long. How would they know things? It's a it's a good point. Well made. Well, well taken. But Thank you. The, the real danger is that sometimes they tell the truth, so when well, do you ignore them, you know? Some truths are timeless. Uh, I think the the quality of the bare naked ladies timeless in a thousand True. years people will still be talking about this band and subsequently our podcast yeah in a thousand thousand years i agree i agree the stars told me that and i think that was one of their truths they get once a fortnight mm-hmm. yeah yeah well there are other reasons not to trust the stars anything that old is probably coming from a really retro time i think they're going to have some really suspect opinions about, you know, like, I don't know, women's rights to vote. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard some horror stories about people who had stars to Thanksgiving. Oh, God. I can't imagine. Yeah. It's always grandpa and, and radiant cosmic bodies you get stories about around the Thanksgiving table. Yeah. You read all of these horror stories on, on Reddit so and social media about how many stars refuse to wear masks, refuse mm-hmm. to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And I get that the needles do burn up before they can penetrate the skin, but I don't <laughs> think that's an excuse. No, no, it's definitely not. Yeah. You always see those, uh, am I the asshole threads? And it's always like Beetlejuice and, you know, uh, Alpha Centauri. It's like, yeah, you're the asshole star. I forget every time that Beetlejuice is a star and not just like a weirdly kind of rapey 80s comedy icon. Uh, I think it's the same guy, isn't it? Well, that really furthers my thought on how often we should listen to stars. I yeah. know um, uh, my son, his uh, grandparents let him watch Beetlejuice, which... The star or the movie? Uh, I didn't ask. Yeah. I'm guessing the movie because you know how he loves those Funko Pops. Yeah. And yeah. Um, he loves he loves spooky things. He, and Beetlejuice looks spooky. He's not spooky, though. He's just creepy. Like, <sighs> not, not fun creepy. Yeah. He's not like Chucky or something. <laughs> no. He's a jerk. Yeah, Chucky's straightforward. Like, he might murder you, but, like, it, it's not going to be in a real cringy slimy kind of way have you been following the new chucky tv show where he he supports his gender fluid child and uh no i didn't know there was such a thing yeah it's apparently the most popular tv show the sci-fi channel has ever done and it's been renewed for it's gotten a multi-season renewal after just the first season wow i haven't watched it either that's what we should do me uh evan you saker together maybe we should do like a podcast no no, I want my Sundays back, but I don't know. We should do something. We should find a way, way to monetize our friendship further. I'm going to wear you down, brother. We're going to be doing this every Sunday from now until forever. All right. 
So the Chucky cast. The Chucky cast. We'll work on. We'll workshop it. I'll think. Well, yeah, I'll I'll think about it. I'll talk to my partner. I'll talk to my son. You know, like he, it, he's old enough. He has to have a say. Yeah. I don't want him to think I'm. I'm like. I mean, as you said, some sort of drifter. You know what sons love? What? Big backyards, and they cannot lie. Evbo, I guess we got to talk about this song. We we can. <laughs> This week's song is Big Backyard, and if you've never heard it before, here's a sample. I always wanted a place with a big backyard where the grass is green and the summers are long. Rhubarb growing right behind the garage, I was always dreaming of a big backyard. All I ever wanted was a big backyard where me and my brothers could play our guitars. Gaze in wonder at the moon and stars and sing all night in the big backyard. Uh, are you going to show your cards right at the top here? No, no. Uh, I'm going to hold them close to my vest, actually. Uh, so I'm not going to... I'm just not going to talk, I think, for no, this episode. No, no, no. Come on. This is your sweet, sweet baby Kev. <sighs> what did you think of your sweet baby this time? Look, Kev is a super nice guy. He's got a really effervescent personality. Loves puppets. Loves puppets. Uh recovered from cancer good for him the less kev sometimes the better uh. I, I i sometimes miss the days when kev was like you know what i get one song on this album it's gonna be my banger it's going to be the best song i've got yeah because now i feel like and while this is a welcome break from from ed i think he doesn't always he doesn't always have it uh i i gotta tell you I gotta tell you, my man, uh, this song this song rubbed me the right way. But I I think to your point, maybe even Kev agrees with you that that less is more with Kev. Do you think that's why he sort of whispers his lyrics sometimes? I, don't... I always wanted a place with a big backyard. I think it would hurt him to speak at full volume. Yeah, I, I like sometimes I wonder if he is someone who like he might have an incredibly powerful voice and just oh. like a, um, uh, black agar boltagon situation, mm. black bolt. Right. You know how I love Marvel comics. Yeah. I, I think that's why Kev is always whispering I, because I can't, it does not fit the song super, super well, in my opinion, mm -hmm. especially early in the song when they get, the harmony that breaks in with all of the much deeper voices that like yeah. drown him out and kind of almost make him feel reedy by comparison. Yeah. It, it is interesting how the harmonies work in this song, because if you're going to put Kev up front, it, it seems like the, the boys have sort of their work cut out for them to sort of provide richness to that voice without really sort of stampeding over it. I think I think that's part of how the mix at least tries to work in this song. Now, okay, did I hear you right? You know, I only listened to about half of what you say, right. but you're feeling the song. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I that don't... surprises me. Like I, if I were going to pick anyone from kind of like our our guest list, our history, who I was like, this is the person for this song, I would have said like the Crypto Naturalist probably would love this song. Mm. Um, things like that. This is not your jam typically. Well, what would you say my jam is, Evan? 
I think that if I were going to pick your jam, Mm -hmm. I would go with somewhere like a cross section between backpack rap, Uh Mm -hmm. uh, Italo disco, right, and Swedish dance pop. Like if you put those all in a blender, sure, and you blended them up, and then you drank that up, you gobbled it up, get get into your mouthy, that would be. That'd be that'd be sacred. I think I think you need to garnish that that cocktail with classic uh, video game music. But I think you might be on to something. Some chip tunes. Some yeah, chip tunes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, normally I would agree, but something about this, it just, you know, I love, you know, I love the Kevster, and something about this is just feels to me like such a pure distillation of what Kevin is and wants, where like. He doesn't have that many songs to to put on these albums, to put front and center for for his career, his his oeuvre, his life's work. And you give him the chance, and what is he talking about? He's talking about uh, rhubarb growing behind the garage. Uh, Talking about a cat named Rudy. Cards, 18 chickens and a St. Bernard, and a cat named Rudy in the big backyard. So, artistically... There's something about it that just tickles me that it's like, all right, Kev, let's do a Kev song. And what we, what we get is this, like, I, I want a rope swing. I want uh, I want to tell ghost stories by a marshmallow fire. I don't know. That's just so so pure and Kevy to me that it just it made my tummy all warm. No, I get that. I get that. Like, OK, it's Kev. He's a specific guy. Loves specificity. That's his thing. He wants you to know exactly what he's talking about what kind of animals are there and how many (laughs) what their names are um you know like it's not enough to say you know i want to i want a dog he wants a saint bernard it's not enough to say he wants chickens he wants 18 of them which first off too many chickens that's a lot of chickens stupidest animal on the planet your job is chickens if you have 18 yeah, I mean, except they're rich, so like their job, uh, like they can kind of outsource it. I feel, you know. Yeah. But they hire a chicken nanny, yeah. which I think is what that job's called. Yeah, I mean, look, I love my work. It pays money, and mm-hmm. it it doesn't humiliate me too often. But I do have kind of an Indeed bulletin set up for chicken nanny positions, yeah. especially. I would love. I'll be honest, like. COVID has really introduced me to how much remote work is, is really satisfying. And just the, the, I feel like in office work, there's just this really fast pace that they want you to be, Mm -hmm. uh, that your life has to exist on commuting, uh, you know, eating out for lunch, uh, meetings, all that. Yeah. Yeah. If I could get a position as kind of a remote chicken nanny, uh, maybe like a zoom. Oh uh, yeah. That exists. I have a friend that does that. That would, I think that might be my ideal, my ideal job. I think all you need, you need a really good webcam. You mm-hmm. need a good mic. Cause you gotta get real close up to the camera and do little tiny kisses for the chickens. And you have to like get them to come up and put their little chicken cheeks right, right up close to the monitor. Because I think, I think it's, I think it's 32 tiny kisses a day chickens need. If you want them to produce, you know, if you want them to make the eggs, you yeah. got you got to you got to give them the goods. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know when you make an omelet and uh, those those chickens didn't get all their their cheek kisses. Well, I mean, bijou, I, I think they're called in French. <laughs> I make brunches for friends pretty regularly, mm-hmm. and 
I'll say uh, the last the last time I made them, the uh, yolks were this incredibly rich orange color. They were so so bright, so so vivid. Yeah, you can tell when the chicken has been getting their kisses. Yeah, well kissed yes. is what chefs call that color. Yeah. And there are many evils of factory farming, but I think among them is like the only way you could kiss that many chickens that often every day is if you just kind of like laid down on some sort of contraption that could pull you from chicken to chicken mm-hmm. and just had your lips puckered and they would just like Amazon warehouse style, like the chicken would be like robot thrust at your lips every uh, And mm. the chickens know. Yeah, they, they know the tell. difference. Yeah. Well, do you think we disoriented everybody by talking about poultry this early in the episode? I know we usually save that stuff for later. You think anybody's even still listening to us? Probably not, right? Probably we're all alone by this point. Well, people Look, don't turn tune in for bare naked ladies stuff, you know. I don't think. Well, first off, not all the songs are winners, right? And if you open a podcast by making them listen to a real loser song, mm-hmm. they're not going to keep listening. I think that's why our our uh, listenership numbers drop off so steeply about three minutes into every episode. Oh yeah, a big part of that I think is people come for us. You know, we're the personalities. It's like when the Beatles said that uh, they were bigger than Jesus. We're bigger than Ed mm. Robertson. Uh. Oh, okay. All right. I was going to ask a follow-up. Not all Eds. No, no. Not like ED-209 from RoboCop, Red Asner, Ed Balls, British politician, Ed Bagley, Ed Bagley Jr., Ed O'Neill. Um, uh... Ed the uh, hyena from uh, the Lion King, Ed Grimley character portrayed by Martin Short, Ed Green was a detective on uh, Law and Order, Mister Ed horse horse famous horse, Ed Wood uh, famous American B filmmaker, Ed Harris another actor, although I don't think we're bigger than Ed Harris he's an American treasure no he's very big ed robertson though is tiny we could squish him with our boots like the pathetic little man that he is <laughs> and he would just be begging us the whole time he would just be saying please please don't squish me please i'm a little nothing man and wow. we would just say no i'm going to squish or not squish but it's you have no say you've come through this podcast different haven't you evan Sometimes you wake up and it's like the world is a different place for you, you know? It is. Do you ever, do you ever feel that in your bones, that there might be other, other dimensions? Like, do you think that there's some sickly blue sky dimension where we don't have regulation goatees as sharp as cobra fangs and our hideous smooth faces don't love the granite smile of the Nightmare King? Well, if there is, I don't want to go there. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, if I don't, they will get me. Yeah. Yeah, Wilson. Hey, speaking of that, I have a uh, YouTube comment here that I think might uh, guide our discussion a little bit. Is it, to- is it, is it time already for six, six, Sacred YouTube comment of the week? It is indeed. This one, sadly, doesn't reference us. So, Well, get that off my air. <laughs> Maybe I should edit it so it does. 
This is from HG four I'm, months ago. I'm sorry. Let me interrupt you real quick. Yeah, yeah. Do you have that power to edit any YouTube comment? Uh, I mean, yeah. Because if you do, then I, I have some real qualms about some of the stuff you've left up on that site. Uh, <laughs> well, there are only so many hours in the day, man. I'm, I'm doing my best. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, you know what? I stand by it. Find me any any comment on YouTube, and you just know that, that it's it's past Saker's, uh, Saker's smell test, All right. as I call it. All right, listeners, you heard. So find the worst comments on YouTube and tweet them at our, uh, at our social media, at BinDunPod on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you I'll think... I'll defend them. Uh, the, if you think that Saker made the wrong call, give it a hashtag YouTube poo tube. And if you think that I did it correctly, do it a YouTube boob rube, which is all positive. Hell yeah. All right. HG four months ago says beautiful song. Saker and Evan hate the intro. I wish you guys had kept the live off the floor feel. Reminds me of everything to everyone with how overproduced some parts of the album are. I don't know. Do you think that's fair? I had the exact opposite reaction. I I liked the intro quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I liked it when the music kicked in. You got that. You got that. You start off with Kev's very reedy voice. Uh, You're keeping it simple. You bring in, uh, you know, these... uh, big strong tough guys who are Mm. like also big beefy boys and they're just beefing kev right out well let's talk about too you got snaps in there which are like hand claps of the fingers you've got snaps you've got uh some percussion coming in in just a second you've got a lot like look first off you know i don't like claps it's (laughs) self-congratulatory snaps are just social justice claps Okay. I don't like that either. Oh, oh, okay, right. Uh, that said, I liked this intro a lot, actually. Like, yeah. my my issues with this song don't start for a couple more minutes. Well, then let's focus on the intro for for a second. Hell yeah. Because, like, maybe that intro is like a microcosm of, of Kevin's relationship with the band itself. Like, Kevin comes in with, like, a little whispery idea, like... I always wanted a place with a big backyard. And then eventually, like, what happens is, like, it's like the boys here. It's like our, our Kevin, our little Kevin bird is starting to stretch his little wings. Let's let's get in, let's blow on his little feathers. And so you got those hand claps, right? Yeah. You, you get that little percussion. And then eventually it's like, we're going to fly together. We're going to we're gonna put him on our backs and fly on through this song, you know? And you know what? I think... It's remarkable to me how much very simple joy there still is when the boys come together, when when you get these these harmonies coming together, even if they're a little bit strange. I think that having Kev lead a harm lead the harmony is just uh, it's always going to sound a little bit off to me, but yeah. not in a bad way. I, I, I genuinely I really liked this intro, so uh, I'm going to have to say that. HG is wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, is agreed. Morally deficient. Yep. And you're wrong for letting that comment stand. There's there. I failed as an editor of YouTube again. But I, I keep rolling that stone, man. I keep pushing it up the hill. Is now, this song a parody? Of what? Mm, mm. I don't think. I 
I feel like Kev is going to think that parody is mean. So let's let's like if Stephen Page wrote the lyrics, you know, I was one in a place with a big backyard where the grass is green and the summers are long. Rhubarb growing right behind the garage. Cynicism would rise up behind those lyrics like a looming ghost. But if Kev says those things, I don't know if if we are to sense like uh, a layer of irony in what are like pretty like cookie cutter tropey suburban imagery. I don't think so. I I did not hear any in this. I didn't feel any. I almost wished that there was at some point. I definitely felt like there were parts kind of as the song went on where I was like, did you just say that seriously, man? Yeah. When, when they get to uh, a tub that bubbles and a cue that barbs. Wordplay. I hated it. I hated it so much. Wordplay. I hate words. Classic B&L wordplay. I used to love words. I make part of my living through words. I've heard about that. And I hate them now. This has ruined my life. Oh, but wow. I don't Yikes. think there's any cynicism. Not very far. A tub that bubbles in the queue that barbs and buffalo grazing in the big backyard. In the big backyard. The big and I, I think you're right. If Stevie P was here, this would absolutely be a cynical song. And there are parts where I think that would work better. Even Ed, I don't think, could deliver these. You know, he'd be like... A flower bed where I'd bury my relationship. Yeah, this is the thing. Kev has an earnestness that, like, Ed wants to have. Ed wants to be the person that Kev is. Kev is someone who I think has a more just stable bedrock of a personality. Yeah. And Ed, I think, is has a lot of uncertainty around him. He has a lot of, he has a more turbulent relationships. And I think that this song, if this, if this song were written by Ed and performed by Ed, this song would be much more about not the physical place and the things that inhabit it, but would be about how being a drifter made him cheat on his wife, Natalie yeah. Herbert. Yeah. Do you think, do you think I don't know, I don't know I don't want to psychoanalyze him too much, but do you think Kevin's brushes with cancer have maybe recentered what his priorities are? Where he's like, no, 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 the the campfire and the and the marshmallows are the big part of life, whereas Ed is more like, no, 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 it's I need fame and I need to always feel self validation through being wanted by women. That's hard to say, you know. I think. When I look at the song, the first thing I think is like, okay, well, is this actually autobiographical? And I don't think mm. that it is. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Kev does not have a son. He only has a daughter, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> I mean, if it's not, uh, Kev, hit me up. Uh, I'll, I will apologize. You know, like, I'll, I'll take your son out for ice cream. Yeah, text me. Text me, Kev. We will. I'll, I'll have the talk with him. You know, like. Which talk? Uh, the birds and the bees. Birds and bees? Boy, that's a big... Birds and bees. Big subjects. I will also play his son the garbage song Androgyny hmm. to help introduce them to the idea of a more non-binary gender expression. And Great didactic I song. will give him an autographed copy of 
The Red Hours, my novella. Oh, what a great father figure you are. If I'm wrong. Okay, fair enough. It's interesting to me, if we can step a little deeper into the uh, swamp of this song, the turns, do you think those, by the turn, by the turn I mean where he goes, um, you know, he keeps listing off these pleasant these pleasant tropes, and then we get the, but now all I really want is a home. In my heart, I became a drifter and began to roam. Now all I really want is a home. All I really want is a home. And he talks about being a drifter. Like, mm-hmm. to me, to me, Kevin had an idea for a song where he wanted to talk about rhubarb <laughs> and chickens and marshmallows and a vegetable garden and a cue that barbs. And he wrote all these things down and thought to himself, this isn't a song. There needs to be a point of tension and so we drop in these these couple lines about drifting and oh I, I now I need a home. I don't know, man. Like I, I get how they function and the mechanics of song lyrics, but but when I look at him I'm like, I don't think that's what this song is about. It's like it's like he's saying all these things it's like a high school student timidly hitting on someone. I mean, like, oh, maybe we should kiss. I'm kidding, what a joke. I think again, like you're hearing this in Ed voice, Mm. but I think Kev, I think this was a very earnest, like even there, I think Kev, I mean, touring has to be hard, right? Like I, uh, get to see my partner every day. I get to see my child every day. Yeah. And, uh, I could imagine not seeing them for a weekend. Maybe we're visiting family. Maybe one of us goes to, uh, Canada's wonderland and doesn't take the rest of them. And the person who goes, whoever that is, like has a great time and is like gone for like three or four days, maybe even. Yeah. And just eats a lot of junk food and like just has like pizza, like spicy pizzas though. Not like, not like normal pizzas, but like spicy pizzas. And some of the pizzas have mushrooms on them, which you can't do when you have a child because they don't, right. they won't eat the mushrooms no. and you want them to eat their mushrooms. And constant fight with my son. I think about how hard would it be if this was my life where I could just eat anything I want and do anything I want and just be anywhere I want. Like, you know, that's scary. I like, can you, could you live like that? Do you think? Uh, I mean, look behind you. Those, those hyper realistic pleather dolls of my, my partner and my son behind you. I mean, I, I can't even go an hour without, at least having some crutch to pretend that they're in the room with me. Um, so the idea of just being overwhelmed by choice, you know, in a world where all of my sons will eat whatever mushrooms I put in front of them, you know, uh, a world where I can put anything I want on a pizza. I, yeah, it's, it's, I start to feel, oh God, I start to feel like I'm falling into the sky. Sometimes you want to eat what you don't want to eat and you want to do what you don't want to do. Mm. And mm. that's what a relationship is for. Yeah. Oh, and well Kev said. is missing out on that. You Just know, like, Kev is Kev wishes that he had a big backyard and that he could play cards with with his uh mother-in-law and uh you have, know like have a son and a daughter. Yeah, and 
you know, just play on a swing, uh, have a neighbor that he can talk with. Like he wants these things, but he lives the life of a person who is virtually a stranger to many of the people in his life. He's been living so long with a hole in his heart. He became a drifter and began to roam. The connotation of drifter is, seems to me to be wandering for the sake of wandering, too, which feels real antithetical to the whole Kev ethos to me. I could see Kev as a young man, like romanticizing like a, a th- like a Walden situation, uh-huh. like a Thoreau type thing where you're getting out, you're reconnecting with nature. Um, I don't think Kev you're living in your, in your rich friend's yard. People bring you pies all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Kev, Kev strikes me as someone who, when he was like 18 was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Like I've said, I was going to do it for years. I'm going to do it. I'm going to ride the rails. Like I'm going to jump on a freight train and I'm going to ride the rails just wherever they take me. Does he have his puppets with him at least? Uh, his travel puppet. Okay. He has, he has his best puppet. But he's young then. He doesn't have very much money. He doesn't have time. He probably only has one or two or three or four puppets. God. Probably um, named like Alfie Cannabines yeah, made so, of a tube sock. So Alfie Cannabines and him are going like want to j- ride the rails. And he maybe he even makes it onto the train. But not not turn up Sally's train. No, no, no. <laughs> but here's the thing. The people who ride the rails, yeah. they're fucking hard. Yeah. They're hard. And I think that Kev, even back then when Kev was a softy boy, I don't think yeah. Kev was meant for a drifter's life. And so there is both an air an air of longing to his lyrics, but there's also, I think, like a little bit of nostalgia for the life that that never was. Uh what was that word? Hauntology. Yeah. From a while. So yeah. there's a bit of of kind of visceral longing for a life he didn't get to live. Yeah. And again, I don't think I don't think these images are meant to be taken ironically, right? So it's it's like a sincere longing. Most of the songs I run into about this kind of suburbs are in some way Pointing out the dark underbelly of this of this suburban life, or pointing out how um, you know it's it's somehow a cage or a oh. cancer. Or, you know, I don't think Kev is doing that here. So let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Do you think that this was about the suburbs? Because for most, uh, you know, there are things like um, having eighteen chickens. A lot of suburbs will forbid you from having chickens. Uh, of course, the big one, buffalo grazing in the backyard. <laughs> Right. Uh, which we'll come back to this line. Yeah. I have some issues with this. Line, yes. But do you, like, I, I did not take this as a song about like suburban longing, but it sounds like you did. Well, yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about what, what seems to be sort of suburban comes from like marshmallow fire, you know, the, the swing, um, a cat and a dog, but yeah, when we get into Buffalo, it's like suddenly, okay, there's no yard that can contain Buffalo. Is he talking about the entire sort of American West? Is he talking about living on the border of a, of Yellowstone? Like I, I think that's where part of, so like I had, I had like a small issue with this song, which is, um, okay. He wants some chickens, uh-huh. a porch, a cat and a dog an oak tree with a swing somewhere they can tell, you know, ghost stories around like a little fire pit, 
small vegetable garden with a garden gnome. Fire, a vegetable garden and a garden gnome, but now all I really want is a home. None of this requires a big backyard. Like, no, this all requires a very modest backyard. Like, I have lived in some semi-rural areas at different points in my life. I have family who are farmers. You do not need a farm to do most of this. Like you just need a little bit of space. Like I pictured in my head, like almost a, um, like a, a blue collar, like a working town, right? Like a blue collar town kind of fading. Yeah. We both grew up near Youngstown mm-hmm. and there are a lot of areas around Youngstown. I could see a lot of this. Ha- I can see people who have 18 chickens and a fire pit in a pretty modest backyard. Yeah, absolutely. It's real common. But then you get to the buffalo line. Yeah. So is suddenly this a joke? Is it that he is that it, that that all of these images are so abstract and out of reach for this drifter that he just keeps pulling in more sort of out there imagery? That's an interesting idea. I had not considered that, right? That it's, this is the dream of a drifter and it's not necessarily coherent one, right? It's, it's not one where he's saying like he has all these things and he misses them, but he's someone who it's the Kev that hopped the rails when he was 18 and all he's ever seen is just what the rail shows him. And we both know that the rail is a harsh mistress. The first time I tried to ride the rails and Dr. Bottle Caps came up to me and he shook the cap staff at me and he's like, let your teeth harmonize with the caps. And, you know, I tried to, like, I put my teeth real near the rattle and bottle caps and uh, no, it wasn't for move. me. That's yeah. the wrong move. No, I know that now. I've read the books, but you're not allowed to read the books when you first get on the rails. It really is a shame that we send our young people out to ride the rails without kind of teaching them the skills they need to ride them well, right? Like yeah. we, we hope that they'll pick it up as they go, but why are we not producing the kind of work that will help them ride the rails more effectively? Big question. Big question. I think the Buffalo, the idea that maybe he just doesn't know, maybe this whole way of life is so dark to him. It's like, I guess it's a central question of life, right? Like every expertise you pick, you're foregoing a different kind of, like, like, yes, I know all the Mega Man 4 robot masters, but I don't know how to, you know, check Check your eye. How to love, right? Like, oh, what is a human kiss? I don't know. But but, bright man, toad man, drill man, pharaoh man, ring man, dust man, dive man, skull man. No problem. So here's a question for you. When you beat skull man, do you get a skull gun? Um, no, sadly, no. Like his, his weakness, of course, is the dust crusher. You know, you got to get past his skull barrier, but... But no, what you get is, you know, you get to progress. Uh, I have never liked Mega Man and I've never trusted him and I never knew why. But it's shit like this that really turns me against him. It really sours me on that little blue bastard. Well, he's not a he's not a real boy. And I know that you've had some trouble in the past with fake boys, fake boys, even fake boys replacing your actual son. When the tree people try to keep putting wooden boys in his bed, I know you've installed those special doors. I know, man. I know. Changeling, you got baggage. Changeling etiquette is real. 
listeners, if you ever worry about this, here's what you do. Outside of your child's bedroom, you fill a little matchstick box full of toothpicks. And then every time they open or close that door, all of the toothpicks will fall Mm -hmm. on the floor. And if they are making changelings, they will have to count every single toothpick. That'll give you time. Also, that's a way you can test your baby. Normal babies don't care about toothpicks. They won't try and eat them or put them places they shouldn't be. They'll just ignore them. They can't even see them. You're doing some real public service stuff on today's episode. That's good. I want people to know. Now, to go back to the buffalo, because I'm not Mm -hmm. done with the buffalo. Nope. Nope. We got to get back. All right. Buffalo grazing in the big backyard. Here's the thing. I like your reading of it better. My reading of it initially was like, okay, so like yards are, are a symbol, right? Of like wealth. Like, look, I can own all this space and I don't even need to use it. Like you over there, peasant, you're star, you're, you're, you don't even have a house. I have space. I could build houses. I'm not. Yeah. I'm just using it for bullshit. And so I was like, okay, he wants a place where he and his brothers can play the guitar, wants to look up at the sky, wants to have a, you know, tire swing on Mm -hmm. a tree. None of that requires a big backyard. But if you're talking about a big backyard as a symbol of wealth, then having a backyard so big, the buffalo can graze on it. Well, now I'm left to wonder, like, is Kev a real dirtbag? And yeah. I didn't want to think that. Like, you know, I love Kev. You know, he's mm-hmm. my boy. He's my best boy. And now I wonder, as I was listening to it, I was like, wait, is my best boy, has he been corrupted? Is he wrong somehow? Did he come out incorrect? Hmm. So if we're talking about this literally, like he wants to own like half a Montana. Yeah. Like he wants to like. He wants kick- to hunt wolves for sport from a helicopter. He wants to forcibly remove uh, indigenous people from their reservation that we already forced them onto uh-huh. so that buffalo can graze in, in his big backyard. And uh, call me, you know, call me woke, but uh, I think that's wrong. Bold stance. Bold and brave. I like it. Okay, let, me give you, let me give you the positive read on it. Please. If we go from chickens swings and rhubarb to buffalo it could be the message could be that in fact as you were saying you don't need to own a yard to play the guitar somewhere or to look at the sky well you don't need to own the world to see buffalo like when we take it from chickens to buffalo like from a certain perspective like you don't need to own the land to feel like you have access to these things You know, it's sort of a a fundamental flaw of capitalism, right? He thinks he needs to own these things to participate in them. Whereas, like, dude, go look at Buffalo, man. Get out west. Go someplace. Like, you don't necessarily need to own it all. Now, this is why I think that last, that last, like, uh, uh, verse is so important is because that's where it gets into, like, oh, what he wants is not actually a big backyard. It's a home. It's it's to put roots down somewhere. And that's that's what saved the song. I always wanted a place with the big backyard. I've been living so long with this hole in my heart. I became a drifter and began to roam. 
Here's what I will say. This song should have been 90 seconds to two minutes shorter than it is. Mm -hmm. This is a four minute long song. It is. The last solid minute of it is just noodling. A lot of the, as it goes on, like all of my least favorite parts are in those last couple, uh, last couple bits, a tub that bubbles and a cue that barbs hate that (laughs) Buffalo grazing in the big backyard. Hate that a vegetable garden and a garden gnome hate that Mm. you couldn't have thought of any word, but garden, you couldn't have thought vegetables, herbs, and a garden gnome. We lose all the specificity, don't we? You really do. He overuses the word garden. It just sounds wrong. Now, that said, you would also lose maybe my favorite line, which was uh, where we tell a ghost story by the marshmallow fire. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that may be my favorite line, too. All I ever wanted was a big backyard where we tell a ghost story by a marshmallow fire, a vegetable garden and a garden. The perfect combination of like evocative, right? Like we've all had campouts, right? Where like all the boys get together and we, you know, sing our voiceless chant yep. and make s'mores. Yep, touch eyeballs together. And it's evocative of that, but also of like kind of a more whimsical world where the fire is made out of marshmallows and you, your backyard is filled with like these sweet, sweet, sweet marshmallow smells. Yeah. And uh, both of those reads are beautiful to me. Mm. Shorter is interesting. Like, I will say that, you know, we haven't talked about the musicality of this song that much other than the intro. And, yeah, the musicality itself didn't really give me a lot I felt like discussing. So it reminded me there's like a specific kind of like kind of folksy country that some alternative rock bands can slip into Mm -hmm. when they're trying to uh, branch out. Right. This reminded me a lot of um, maybe like a gentle, gentler flaming lips song. Oh, sure. Or um, one of my favorite bands, the ass ponies Ah. Uh, or even a, a band that, you know, I don't tend to love, but uh, the Decemberists, I don't know if you're familiar. We, yeah, yeah. What's a, do you have a specific Ass Pony song that this reminds you of at all? Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, just thinking um, off their best album, uh, Some Stupid with a Flare Gun. Uh, I'm thinking like the title track, maybe Pretty As You Please. Oh, let's drop a little of that in right here. Does her best, but least the one still burning. It's hard to figure out. It's hard to figure out, she says. Picking up the night. There you go. Yeah, and so you can hear kind of like this, 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 this uh, folksy country version of a rock, uh, like of a rock song. And here's the thing: the Decemberists, the K- album, the King is Dead, uh, the Flaming mm-hmm. Lips, the Ass Ponies. These are all like ambitious, weird bands that 
yeah, they're doing kind of a simplified stripped down country thing, but they're pairing it with like some really evocative lyrics, some really kind of like interesting undertones. And the Bare Naked Ladies at this point, this is the 13th album, 14th? Yeah. Yeah, one uh, of those. One of those numbers. Oh wait, no, because they count they count their children's albums too. That right. always throws it's like off 16 my count. or something yeah, when they talk always, about, yeah. It throws off my count that they count things that aren't real. Right. Um, that that does make it hard. I liked a lot of the last album, as did you, right? Yeah. It was better than we expected. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's They get the benefit of low expectations right now, I gotta they, say. They do. But, like, they're not an ambitious band anymore, right? Like, they're not, they're not shooting for the moon. But we talked a little on the last album. It feels like maybe they're getting over the um, toxic urge to make another big radio hit. Because when they, when they can sort of buck that that impulse and get back into their sort of weird i don't know let's have fun with music it feels like when they start to shine again i agree i agree completely but like the decemberists and the ass ponies weren't getting a lot of radio play but they're still like lyrically ambitious and this song is really simple lyrically and i like it but it does go on too long and it is a little bit too simple lyrically to also have such a simple uh like the the music is very the musicality is very simple yeah. not in a bad way necessarily i like the timpani drums i like mm-hmm. the there's a lot of percussive instruments to this yeah. that are really interesting but not robust enough to last a four minute song yeah 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 i mean there's just the song is just going for like pleasant it feels like Let's... I I agree. Now, can, let me ask you a question. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. about halfway through the song, they take a break. There's some piano noodling. Mm-hmm. Was it just me? Like maybe I just got a, a bum recording. Did the piano noodling sound like a little bit off tune to me? Oh, to you, one hundred percent. Yeah, there, there was something a little carnivaly or something about. say i like carnival i was thinking as every time i listened to it i kept thinking it sounded like a piano that he had rescued from like an old west saloon that was going out of business or something that sounds like something he'd do yeah it does and that's why i think he did it and he brought it back to his home and he played it for this and it sounded weird to me but maybe if he had included in the lyrics this is a piano from an old West saloon. Then I don't know. Maybe that would have helped. It's a good table for my puppet friends. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's to hit the lyrics one more time. Is there anything offensive about the meta narrative of this whole thing? Cause what we're talking about here is a rich person who lives in a big, nice house with a nice yard. He gets to play guitar with his brothers for a living. He makes art. He travels some, so, like, to write a sort of a, a melody of pining for shit he has, and then, like, you're not a drifter. There's not a hole in your heart. Like, you travel some, you know, presumably doing what you love that supports a lifestyle that lets you have any of these things and more. I mean, he probably has three chicken nannies. Yeah, you know... 
there's a little bit of that, but I think that's Kev is such a sweetie boy. Mm-hmm. He's such a sweetie boy. I don't think if again, this gets back to Ed does not have the 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 cultural clout to pull this song off. Yeah. Uh I don't think that, you know, this is not the song that like, you know, the, the Cregan would write. This is right. not the song that uh, you know, Stevie P would write. But Kev can do it. And I think that's because, yes, Kev is a very rich guy, but he's he's known his fair share of suffering, right? Between yeah. between, you know, his cancer, his uh, you know, struggles kind of raising uh raising his daughter, which, you know, gave gave rise to Special a really needs, beautiful, right. really beautiful song dream of flying. Mm-hmm. And he's dealt with Ed for years. Oh God, I can't imagine dealing with Ed for years, right? Every morning. It's like, guys. I'm thinking of cheating on my wife again. It's like, yeah, we have this conversation every day. Why don't you ever remember? Do you think that Ed gets eternal sunshine like once a week? And yeah. he's like, I, guys, he, he goes in and he just says, hey, it's tearing me up. I need to forget that I cheated on my wife. And so he goes and gets eternal sunshine. Mm-hmm. He forgets the, you know, the the other woman. He forgets all of it. He forgets everything he comes out and like the first thing he says when he gets out is my dudes i'm thinking about getting some strange i'm gonna pull the trigger yeah i do you, do you get that impression yeah. from ed and just who he is as a person like, he's like down? yeah i'm gonna go cheat on my wife hey hey where's steve and then yeah. like the other guys have to sit him in the chair he sits in where he watches the video they've made for him to try to remind to try to you know bring him back for the last 10 years yeah, and you know, like over the course of the week, he adds a little more to the videos just so that, you know, he's really up to date uh, on just their tour look, schedule. Look in his eyes anytime he's being interviewed on TV or anything. You can tell, like, that's mostly an empty room. That's a man who, yeah, that's a man who is intellectually aware that he's lived a life, but no connections being made. Ev? Yes, Haker? What game show is this song? Boy. So this song, this song was an easy one. Obvious. Yeah, I'm with you. Some of these are obvious. The rest of them are also obvious Mm -hmm. because I'm good at this. I've had a lot of practice. No question. This song is the 1960s ABC ABC, uh, game show, reality show contest, uh, Dream House. Now, I I knew it before you. I could have said it at the same time you did. Yep. Now, Dreamhouse did have Dreamhouse was initially it came on in uh, 1968 uh, on ABC. It replaced uh, The Fugitive, um, which was I mean, I feel like The Fugitive is still familiar still has like a cultural footprint today because of the 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 film. Yeah. Han Solo was in it. You know, so this replaces that. The premise of Dreamhouse is that contestants, basically there are two teams of contestants. Uh, typically it is a husband-wife pair mm-hmm. because it's the 60s. It was revived in the 80s. And in the 80s, there were there was a little bit more flexibility. Like I think like single homeowners were occasionally allowed to, uh, like, yeah, there were special, special episodes for siblings who wanted to get a house together or uh, single people with children or people who were engaged. 
that didn't fly in the 60s. No. Married couples. Of course. Separate single beds. So it's a pretty basic game, right? You know, like question and answer, buzz in, you know, first person to uh, first person to buzz in gets to answer. Uh, you get a certain number of points. But what you're trying to get points for is you're trying to win rooms of furniture. And if you win enough rooms of furniture, you can get a house, a new house worth at least $40,000. So it's like, well, you've gotten so many rooms, we might as well just give you the house. Exactly. Now, there were some problems. No. A few problems. So uh, it ran for uh, it ran for a year, but it turns out that people had to buy the land that the house that they won was on. <laughs> Which oh. was typically cost like a minimum, like the floor was $7,000. And so you could win like a $40,000 house, but then a lot of contestants were like going into debt to purchase the land that the house was on. So they, they changed things up and said, you could take the house or just a flat $20,000 instead of a house. So they just kind of abandoned their premise. Yeah, they completely abandoned the premise. But you can see how Kev is thinking back to childhood, a more earnest time, right? And Kev is, Kev is at an age where he would have been right in the sweet spot for the 1980s revival of Dreamhouse that happened. Yeah. And so, you know, like as you're thinking about, right, that could have been his daytime TV, like when he was homesick from school or something. Exactly. We had the prices right. But like when you're thinking about it, like what is this what is this about, right? It, it says it's about it wanting a big backyard. But kind of as we talked about, most of this doesn't really require that. What he wants is land. What he wants is like something to call home. He wants yeah. he wants to lay down roots. And Dreamhouse was a show that was all about trying to give kind of like young couples a chance to lay down roots. But there's a dark underbelly to this song, right? There is that, there's the Buffalo line. And I think that like almost any way you cut it, there is a little bit of like, there's a hint of darkness to this. There's a hint of the the colonization of the West. There's a hint of... uh, Sort of smothering systemic capitalism stuff. Yeah, you know, there's... So there's darkness at the core of this. And I think that having, I think that like when Kev got really interested in this, when he was staying home on sick days as a child, Mm -hmm. he probably looked into it later, right? The dream house actually had a big write up in the, um, uh, encyclopedia of daytime television history, uh, in part because of the controversy. Kind of want to get my hands on that book. And so I feel like Kev, you know, like he's he's fondly remembering kind of this this more innocent time. And then he goes and he looks it up and he's like, oh no, this was actually built on something monstrous. And here's the thing, that's just like kind of Amer- U.S. and Canadian history, right? Yeah. And we know that Kev has a lot of interest in kind of indigenous art and communities supporting kind of, you know, native communities. Um, So I think that there is realizing that he wrote it about the game show Dreamhouse Mm -hmm. helped me realize that Big Backyard is both an earnest longing for home, but also a subversive critique of the garbage that we've all built our entire lives and worldviews on. Mm. Speaking of thoughtful 
critiques of uh, toxic sort of established narratives and systems. How would Joe Camel do on this show, do you think? Here's the thing. If we're going by the 1960s version, I don't think Joe Camel would even be allowed to perform, right? Because I don't think Joe Camel could stay with a, a woman because 1960s, right? They're not going to let like a, a gay couple perform. Yeah. I don't think Joe Camel could hold down a relationship long enough to get on Dreamhouse. And even when you go into the 1980s, let's say there's a hypothetical where... He, like, Las Vegas marries an anthropomorphic camel lady for a week or something? I was thinking, 1980s, they love branding opportunities. Sure. They love it when you can get this kind of, uh, like, you know, G.I. Joe is a cartoon and a movie, and it sells toys to kids. They love the vertical integration. And war. And war. They love that. So... What if they did a mascots episode of Dreamhouse where two different mascots were competing? So right. that's the only that's the only scenario where I can see Joe Camel being allowed to compete in Dreamhouse. You know who survived the mascot mashup that might be a good competitor? Who's that, Saker? It's a, a gentleman, a subterranean gentleman, who, if I remember correctly, is. Uh, the child of a two-faced sideshow performer and a 4,000-year-old mummy. Mm-hmm. I'm talking, of course, about the Crypt Keeper. Now, I'm glad you went there because my brain was going along similar lines. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, here's the thing. I think both of them would be pretty bad at this <laughs> because, well... Joe Camel is like uh, Lucille Bluth, right? Where, you know, I feel like they would <laughs> be like, yeah, they would be like, they'd be like, oh, how much does this chair cost? And he'd be like, I don't know, $10,000. And then the Crypt Keeper would be like, it wouldn't cost money. Yeah, like, uh, I feel like they would both be bad at this show. However. God, I want to see that. <laughs> however, uh, the Crypt Keeper, like, if he was driven and at, at all, like he could accidentally, he could accidentally get some questions right. I feel like Joe Camel would just get like frustrated, you know. Like I feel like he would be irritated at being like, "What? What do you mean a throw rug caught? Who would only pay like a hundred dollars for a throw rug?" That's my <laughs> Joe Camel. Yeah, he would. He would do the thing that Joe Camel does, where he shifts at breakneck speeds between like weird working class royalty and super rich playboy. He'd be like. What's that throw rug cost? I don't know. I'd win it in a bare-knuckle boxing match or I'd trade my uh, yacht for it. Now, here's the other catch. Now, there is a bonus round in Dreamhouse where the couple tries to open a set of golden doors by guessing the three-digit combination of an electronic lock that secured them. Yeah. The Crypt Keeper knows how to handle giant golden doors oh, yeah. with a mysterious lock. Yep. And so that's why I, I think at the end, the Crypt Keeper comes out on top on this one, right? Joe, yes. This is not playing to Joe Camel's strengths. Right. And if I remember correctly, they had a deal where if the Crypt Keeper ever bested Joe Camel in, in a game of wits, doesn't Joe have to come back with him to the Crypt? Uh, yes. Uh, here's the thing. Joe makes deals like that all the time. Oh, that's true. And Joe doesn't lose things. 
like no. Joe, Joe is Joe's a confident guy. Like he's the kind of person who you put him in front of a firing squad, which has happened to him many times. Mm-hmm. He's going to talk his way out of it. Right. <sighs> you know, like one of the commander's kids loved Joe camel. I was like, Oh daddy, daddy, please don't execute the camel man. And kid that fucking kid i know and so i think joe is used to skating by on that charm yeah and so he never thought that he would be put in a situation where he had to go back into the crypt right well even if he gets back into the crypt like uh, you know what's what's he doing he's he's playing cards with the crypt keeper he's gonna win his freedom i think they're yeah i mean i think that basically they're they're hot boxing the crypt yeah would be my guess um, so I don't think Joe Camel is going to get killed or anything. Is Joe Camel a monster? Uh, I mean, objectively, historically, yes. Well, yeah, and like <laughs> aesthetically, like I, I'm just saying that, like I, I feel like Joe Camel coming and going from the crypt is just sort of like you know well, de rigueur. It's par for the course for the crypt. Like, yeah, sure, there are camel men that come and go. Well, here's the question for you. Is Joe Camel an actual camel who has been, you know, anthropomorphized by some sort of malevolent wizard? Or is Joe Camel just a really cool furry with an incredible fursuit? Because, mm. like, think about how how much of a performance the Joe Camel person is. Yeah. That's not a real person. That's someone performing as Joe Camel the way that when you would put on a fursuit, you would you would let loose this character who's a more honest, who's the person you wish you were. Yeah. It's funny, of all the fictions there are about Joe Camel, like his physical form is almost the least far-fetched to me. Yeah, you know, but this is something that I have thought about every night for weeks. Right. I think Joe Camel might be a furry. I think that might be a fursuit. That's like someone's fursona, you know? Huh. And um, that makes me like him better somehow. Agreed. You know, I think furries, uh, furries got a lot of shit from people for like years. Like, I don't know if you remember, but like. Right. They were sort of just one of the um, sort of a small group that was still just fine to be a punchline for a long time. Yeah. And I think I'm glad that that's changing because I think that furries have a really interesting culture. Like, you know, like I'm not one, but I, you know, I think of, um, uh, the insane clown posse shaggy two dopes daughter is a furry and, uh, he made himself a fur suit so that he could go take her to yeah. conventions. It's sweet. We can learn a lot from shaggy two dope. I agree. I, you know, like, I don't I'm, know how magnets work. I don't either. I don't know how most things work. I do know that, Shaggy Two Dope knows the secrets of the Hatchet Man, and I don't want the Hatchet Man to be against me. No. No, you sure don't. Yeah. Yeah. Ev. Seiki. Now it's about time to rate this song. As usual, we rate this song on a scale of bare naked to fully clothed. The more clothes the song is wearing, the worse it is. The fewer the better. As usual, my friend, we'll start with you. The year is 2030, and I'm tired. Yeah. I don't know if you know this about me. I'm tired a lot. I go to bed early. I wake up very early. It's a hard life to live, especially when you have a kid, right? Because they want to stay up. 
My partner stays up super late. My kid wants to, is bad at it, gets cranky if he tries. If you think about how tired I am now, boy, I'm going to be much tireder in eight years and two weeks. No question. It is very off-putting how close we are to 2030. Uh, <laughs> all right. so Less than 10 years away. Less than all. Yeah. Less than nine years away. Yeah, single digits. Yeah. So, it's 2030. My son is old enough. He doesn't have to stay with us every night. He can stay. He's having sleepover at a friend's house. Oh, They're going camping. That's the dream, brother. Their friend has a giant backyard. And he comes to me and he says, Daddy, Daddy, let me go see the buffalo. And I say, of course, of course, dear boy, of course. He is like, oh, thank you ever so, Daddy. <laughs> so I text my partner. I'm like, hey, we have a, we have a weekend to ourselves. Our, our, our child, our beloved child is going camping. It's going to uh, gaze in wonder at the moon and stars. Uh, he's going to uh, pick some rhubarb. Uh, all this stuff we this has given us this has given us a weekend and my partner texts me back immediately and says you know that thing you like do you want me to do the voice of the partner oh wait no, no i don't know what you're okay you go ahead okay my partner texts me back also it's a text so like you would have to do the voice of like siri um, oh okay yeah, all right. yeah okay but my partner texts me back and is like you know that thing you like mm-hmm. i'm gonna do that thing and i'm like whoa that thing my partner's like, that thing. So I get up and I go to the bedroom. I take off all of my clothes. Mm-hmm. I am I'm fully nude. I put on my blind gag. Yep. I, my blind. I put on my uh, ball gag. What's a blindfold <laughs> but a gag for the eyes? If you think I, about yeah, it. exactly. I put on my eye gag. I put on my uh, the, the ball gag that has kazoo inside it. So whenever you start breathing <laughs> really heavily, it just makes goofy noises. Yeah. And God, so sexy. I'm just waiting. And <laughs> like I can hear. Yeah. Like all I hear is just like the creaking of the house and the wind and just the occasional like kazoo noises when I take like too deep a breath. <laughs> right. And I'm like, man, my partner should have been home by now. I can't see, I can't see what time it is because I'm, I'm, I'm eye gagged. Yeah. But, uh, my partner should be home by now. A little bit more time passes and I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm getting a little chilly, you know, like I can be wearing socks when we do the thing. So I, I, I get out yeah. of bed. I put on some socks, right? Cause I do not like socks, but I'm getting chilly. Right. right? And, uh, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to, let me change it up. Not socks. Some, some really comfy slippers. Okay. Some, some comfy, comfy wintertime slippers. You peeking out of the uh, eye gag at this point or are you feeling around the room? No, I just know where they are. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I get back in bed. I'm like, okay, I can do the thing with slippers. And, um, that's called grandpa style, I think. Exactly. And a little bit more time passes and my partner should definitely have been home by now. We should be mid thing. Mm-hmm. We're not house is as empty as God made me. I get up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to just put on like a robe, a nice fluffy robe, something comfortable, easy to take off, but heavy, like covers most of my body. So I put on a robe and get back in bed but you, you can't just put on a robe and get back to bed. You got to put some underwear on because 
I don't know, like maybe it's just me. I'm a little bit of a germaphobe sometimes, but I feel weird touching, touching the robe with just, you know, my filth. Yes. Yes. And, um, it just feels wrong to me. So I got to get some underwear on too. And while I'm up, like maybe I'll get some tea, uh, you know, like some nice, nice warm tea for a, a cold winter evening. Mm-hmm. And so I, I brew myself some tea just again, like now the sound of bubbles has been added to the kazoo gag and um, take the tea back to bed. And uh, I'm like, well, I wish I could read, but uh, I'm blindfolded. And of course, I can't remove the blindfold myself. I can't see it. Yeah. So um, uh, I put on uh, my favorite podcast, which is uh, old episodes of my podcast. Right. Of from course. from back when we were friends before the, the thing event. happened. Yeah. I know. I know, man. And um, I just want to hear. I just want to hear your voice. And uh, so yeah, this is me in like a robe and underwear and comfy wintertime slippers with uh, uh, soothing tea and the voice of uh, me and my best bud putting me to sleep. Uh, my partner never comes home. We never speak again. Huh. So this is, uh, you know, the, the, the promise of a brilliant experience that just, it goes on too long and I just keep putting clothes on the longer it goes. So, okay, all right. But, you know, maybe the, that robe has a deep V. I can see a little bit of chest. You can see some You can see some skin. I am naked, like, under the robe, mostly naked under the robe. And I, I you know, like, and here's, here's what I'll say. I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that if this just went a little bit shorter, I would have been a lot more naked. And I would have been ready to do the thing, which, as we all know, is um, when you uh, talk dirty in a Gilbert Gottfried voice mm-hmm. and uh, you just do you just, you know, soft dom your partner yeah. uh, as uh, Iago from Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, of course. The thing. The thing. The main thing. The thing all men want. Uh, but we never say it out loud. You're supposed to guess. Yeah, but it's not the same men, if you don't guess. All of our listeners are men, I assume. So it's safe to say it here. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. That's why I'm saying it. My rating. Well, I mean, look, it's what the poster behind me says. It's what I said in my speech at your wedding. It's what my tombstone will eventually say. I'm to be plucked by the Omni Peacock. So it finally happens. A shooting star... Red as blood, streaks out of the eastern sky as the north wind speaks the names of the dead. Thwack! It comes down, it hits a peacock right in the heart. Directly in the heart. All right? You've been chosen. Right. The peacock, the starstruck peacock, spoken of of old, grows large enough to consume continents. Mm -hmm. What do we do? What do we all do? What have we all prepared to do? We all dress up as sunflower seeds Uh and run out trying to be noticed by the peacock trying to be plucked up sucked down into its crop cascade down its beautiful gullet Mm -hmm. to be reborn in the comfy time lair it sees me it's the future we all want yes that's what we're all working toward this is the future liberals want yes thank you I don't know why anyone would go against it it uh, somehow Somehow, you know, Papa Luck touches me on my golden head 
and the peacock notices me among the throngs of jumping seed children. Now, can I ask a quick question? I hope you do. Papa Luck. Yeah. Is that, is Papa Luck a person or is it a special luck you get for being a papa? A little of both. A little okay. both. It it only comes to papas, but do you remember in the 1970s how they... I was not alive then. Okay. But do you remember how um, Santa Claus and Buddha were merged in, in the fourth Lateran Council mm-hmm. and became the same person? I mean, how could I forget? Okay. So I know you're... We were born in different parts of Youngstown, but in yes. my part of Youngstown, we refer to that as Papa Luck. Oh, okay. We uh up in jelly jelly corners. Oh boy. You know, I was about to say what my part of Youngstown referred that to and then I realized like it's just a string of slurs. Whoops like, a doodle. Yeah, like Youngstown will get you like that, you know? Yeah, you can't help where you're born. You can't. But <laughs> suffice to say, I'm going to stick with Papa Luck now. I like that better. So so anyway, the forest of eyes on its on its starboard flank, mm-hmm. the the omni peacock, they they are clearly looking at me, and I know it. So I start to get the tingle, you know. Of course. And that that giant beak that is everywhere and nowhere swings in my direction, and like in one darting motion, it comes for me. And in the saddest thing that's ever happened, not just to me, but probably to anyone, it plucks the top of my costume mm-hmm. and uh, you know the bottom that I paid extra for of the costume that's supposed to be reinforced so that I can be hauled into the sky uh, it rips it you rips don't, you don't want that no it rips so the peacock lifts the costume into the sky and I'm there crushed in a way I've never been crushed before I've missed my my one path to the comfy time lair and I didn't bother putting on underwear or anything. You don't want to be in the comfy time layer and be stuck clothes. No. So up goes the sunflower suit, and I'm standing there in tube socks and duck shoes, completely naked, sadder than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, everyone else is also out there in sunflower suits, and they all turn and see me, the least fortunate person who has ever been born, uh, standing there completely naked except for my shoes and socks, and then I just crumple into the wet, wet mud. Uh, I enjoyed this song. I enjoyed its its sincerity, its earnestness, its sort of distilled, heavy nature. That's beautiful, man. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back with more podcast. Hey, Ev. Hey, Saker. What's the worst mistake you've ever made? That's a big one. Wait, you always ask me back the question I asked you? I don't want to answer this. Hold on. I'm going to give you a better question. Okay. Okay. So, you know, just like I know, mm-hmm. that uh, Wally, the, 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 the Pixar guy? Yes. Uh-huh. Is in canon a robot, right? Sounds right. And a drone is, uh, the difference between a drone and a robot is, of course, that a uh, robot is autonomous, Mm -hmm. whereas a drone is piloted by humans. Yeah. However, 
Wally is not autonomous because he is illustrated. He's oh. drawn by animators who oh, are shit. creating him, moving him around, telling him what to say and do. Is Wally in fact a drone? And if so, are all animated robots drones? And if that's the case, would you then like to kill all animated robots with a pipe the way that you would do with drones? Mm, that's a complicated, nuanced question. Thank you. That deserves a complicated and nuanced answer. And my answer is yes and yes, absolutely. How about you? Uh, I want to say yes, because of course... All drones deserve the pipe. The pipe, right. Give drones the pipe. However, I've got one... I, I got a problem area. I have one of those. I don't think I could... I don't think I could give the Iron Giant the pipe. Like, I don't think I could pipe the Iron Giant. I think <sighs> he's such a sweetie and so, like... I just remember crying watching that movie when I was, like, young. Superman. That was beautiful. Thank you. You've got a good Vin Diesel. Thank you. Um, Family. <laughs> uh... So, yeah, you know, I think that's... I think that's my... That's my problem there, is... I, I think that everything that I just said was uh, unequivocally true, but I, I just can't give the iron, I, I can't kill the Iron Giant. Brother, I think I know how this would go down, though. You would explain that logic to the Iron Giant. He would and like his, himself. Yes, his his lower lip would quiver, and his like his beautiful soulful eyes would would sort of close slightly, and then like his hand would reach behind his back and come out with like a, a giant pipe. That's that's beautiful. He'd be like, it's pipe time. If anything, that might actually even be a better. That might actually even be a better uh, ending to the movie, right? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ev. You know what else is kind of a robot? Uh, CWFP? Nope. Bionicle. <laughs> Bed, Bath, and Bionicle used to be a podcast where Riley called their friend Joe at 7 a.m. to talk about bad Lego toys. After Joe forcefully ended that show, an evil force named Biley has trapped both Riley and Joe in the Red Star to talk about other media that starts with B. Their last episode came out on February 15th, 2021, that's this year, and it was part of the Orange Gross Show Swap Week, kind of, uh, but it was still Joe and Riley. They returned to the classic BBNB format to discuss a new B, which was, of course, Blazeball. You remember Blazeball? Uh, honestly, I think about Blazeball almost every day. Almost as much as Joe Camel? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Are you okay, man? No, I have so many thoughts and they won't stop. And it's because of this. Woofa duffa. Too real. Anyway, you should support the Orange Groves Network. Uh, give to their Patreon. We've got some bonus content up there. They're the nice folks that are kind enough to let us be a part of their uh, 
media family. They pay our hosting fees. And if you like this podcast, I can tell you right now, it would not exist if we had to pay our own hosting fees. Nope. Ev makes that clear, I don't know, every three episodes. So, uh, I don't know. If you're listening, I mean, listen to me. If you're listening right now to this, to this, you really should give a dollar or two to the uh, Patreon, the Orange Groves Patreon. I mean, come on. Come on, you. It's that time again, Ev, when we... Do we get to spin the big wheel? Oh, you know it. You know it, my man. Do you want to touch it? No. I've seen what you put on that wheel. It's funny. I know what I put on the wheel, too. But, like, I'm always cleaning it, and yet it always feels sticky, no matter what I do to it. Can I ask you? Oh, God. I knew this day was coming. Chunky or smooth? Chunky. Not what I expected, but I respect it. I think chunky is the more mature choice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to tell my therapist about this. Hang on, let me make a note. Said chunky have grown in many ways. Okay, let's spin this wheel. Oh, God, it's so cold and yet sticky. Ugh. And every time I touch it, I feel like it wants something from me. All right. You spend it as much as your mind is with the body. I'm always saying it. Here we go. Got to get my spectral hands on it as well as my meat hands. And and there it goes. There it goes. Seems to be spinning in and out of this world as if it's half submerged and in a wound in reality. Clickety, clickety, clack. And there it is. Oh, look what it is, my man. Everything old is new again. All right. Score a scene from media with this song. Evbo, what media would be improved with Big Backyard? Well... Just recently released on Netflix, uh-huh. one of the finest movies of 2021, The Power of the Dog, mm. a Western about masculinity. Okay. It's thoughtful. It's emotive. But imagine how much more thoughtful and emotional it could be. Imagine, if you will, Benedict Cumberbatch. All right, I got old him. Old Benny C. I see him. There are so many letters in his last name, I could not parse which one it started with for a moment. I I sympathize. Old Benny C. He's sobbing. Oh. He is wrecked. Oh. He is a ruined man. Oh. But then he sees a buffalo. <gasps> he looks out and he sees the sweeping vistas of the American West. <gasps> and we hear no Oh, my spirits are rising. I ever wanted. So, I think, I mean, gut reaction, The Power of the Dog by Jane Campion, 2021, Netflix. Okay. Huh. Well, I don't know the movie, but when I watch it now, that's what I'll be thinking of. Uh, Honestly, I think someone should just do a fan edit of it and just put Big Backyard in there two or three times. Listeners. 
Why don't you go ahead and make a quick video of that for us? Just quickly pirate a feature-length film yep. and then subtly edit in at mm-hmm. multiple points throughout the movie a Bare Naked Ladies song. Post it to social media. Not changing anything else about the film. Under your real name. And then submit it to Netflix for awards consideration. I'm going to say John Wick. Okay, where in John Wick would you want this to go? Um, in the first film, the first real fight scene where he's he in, goes in and starts. House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think as soon as uh, you know the first burst of violence, we get uh, that quiet Kev talk intro. Okay, okay, I can see that. You see the tension between the lyrics and the song and what's happening on screen. Well, I think it fits too because uh, all John really wanted was kind of this 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 life with his partner. He yeah. wanted uh, he wanted to live like a normal life. He wanted a home. Yep, and a and dog. As he's brutally murdering like dozens of people in 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 his house, that is him kind of metaphorically killing his dream of having a home. Yeah. So like there is. There is kind of uh, an irony to Big Backyard playing over that. I think that's a beautiful choice. Thank you. Listeners, why don't you edit in Big Backyard into the movie John Wick? That's it. And then just let me watch John Wick, which I don't love. My partner hated. Uh But um, I I think this is what it needed. Yeah, I think this would really take it over the line for a lot of people. Agreed. It's time again for questions from our friends, our fans, our plump little peppercorns. If you want to send us a question, please email us. Please email us at it's all been done podcast at gmail.com. Our question today comes from our buddy, C's Richard. C's, it's been a minute. It has been a minute. Hope C's doing okay. I assume we'll find out a cogent and coherent update on what uh, their life is like from this question. No question. Here we go. Hello. I was listening to your studio album. It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast, Stripped Down, Know Nothing podcast. It was good. You are a good singer with a beautiful voice and soul. My question is, Thank you, C's. Yeah, thank you, C's. That was very kind. My question is, the Bare Naked Ladies are monsters. That much is obvious. What my question is about is, what if they were even more mysterious monsters? What historically real cryptid is naked? I love you and want to share you. Rich. Huh. Good, good question. I'm glad to know that Rich is doing okay, first off. Feels like it. Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah, I was worried. Uh, I think it's been a couple albums since we heard heard from from them, so... Right, I was worried they fell off of our, uh, you know, this thing we've got going. Yeah, like, what if they discovered a podcast they like more? Ugh, I don't even want to think about it. Ugh, makes my bones hurt. What? So, okay, so... Bare Naked Ladies are monsters, obviously. I feel like we established that uh, in the first album. Um, So what historically real cryptid is naked? 
oh, I took this to be which cryptid is is a one of the ladies. Like what which lady is which oh, cryptid? Oh, oh, okay. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Are they each cryptids or are or is one of them a cryptid in disguise? I think they're each cryptid. I think we have to oh, interesting. We have to say which cryptid each lady would be. Can because I just... otherwise this would be a very short uh answer and then we'd have to like answer another question. I don't Ugh. think we have enough of them. No, we sure don't. Listen, send in questions. Send in questions. Yeah. yeah. Send them in. Send them in. Uh, it's all been done podcast at gmail.com. I'll reiterate. I mean, I got to say, the one that pops out at me as obvious is, is Tyler is Chupacabra. Yeah, I think that's clear. Um, huh. I, I just mean, you know how sometimes you're watching a Bare Naked Ladies video and you see their aura like as clear as day? Yeah, it just kind of comes out of the screen and touches you. Right, right. It's like it's like TV static if it was in sensation, like if it was a physical object. And, and Tyler, I mean, it touches you and you're just like, whoa, suddenly you're in like an arid high desert climate and you're just looking for a goat to suck on. Um, well, first off, I think you might have synesthesia. Oh, uh, you should look into that. Okay. Second off. Write um, that down. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I definitely, I could see that. I think my initial, my initial thought didn't even think of Ty. I, I, sometimes I forget he exists. Yeah. So I'm well, glad. That's I'm, another Chupacabra feature. I'm glad that you were aware mm-hmm. and had strong feelings. What do you think of Ed? I try not to. But if I had to, and we do contractually, we are being forced to. Yes. Ed feels like the Fresno Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Now, are you familiar with the Fresno Nightcrawler, Saker? I, you know, I can't say that I am. The Fresno Nightcrawler is a spectral ghost thing. It's like a, an, an alien, like a maybe maybe a gray alien, uh, like it looks a little whatever. But it's essentially two long, long white legs, a uh, kind of like a thick dump truck ass, and then uh, just like a very minuscule torso and a head. And to me, like, first off, Ed is the lady with the dumpiest of dump truck asses. Obvious. Second, he's the whitest of the ladies. Mm-hmm. Fresno white call white Fresno Nightcrawler, whitest cryptid. Second, oh gosh, although I'm trying to think, honestly, the Fresno Nightcrawler might be. No, I'm gonna stick with this. Even though I will say, one of the clearest images of the Fresno Nightcrawler was taken in Yosemite, which is perfect for this song. Well. Right? Buffalo are roaming. Exactly. Tell me about the Fresno Nightcrawler's uh, relationships and uh, infidelities. Well, the Fresno Nightcrawler, first off, because it has long legs and a thick butt, really (laughs) appeals to women. Oh, yeah. Obvious. I think a lot of men make the mistake of thinking that, like, women kind of femme presenting people bisexuals really uh anyone who's attracted to men like most of them don't like like the big muscle bound like yeah there are are there people who want to fuck sasquatch absolutely but 
I think most of them want, I think most of them want, uh, someone who looks sensitive, someone who looks uh, a little tortured, mm-hmm. someone who looks like, uh, like they have their memory wiped every day or so. Exactly. Uh, just to give you a quick, uh, possible explanations on the cryptids wiki, mm-hmm. uh, cryptids wiki says it could be an alien or extraterrestrial being, okay. possibly a primate with very short arms a misidentified deer standing upright, which deer love to do. Classically. Pants and or a puppet on a wire. Oh, man. See, this is just doubling down on I should have picked Kev. Or... Oh, uh, I got Kev. Uh, a bird walking like a crane. Hmm. That said, I have never seen a crane with a donk like that. No, but I have seen Ed walk upright, so I feel like this still checks out. I agree. Can I give you can I give you Kev? Oh, I would love it if you gave me Kev. Kev, of course, is the famous crying cryptid, the squonk. Or, or Pennsylvania squonk. Uh, the squonk is a mythical creature reputed to live in the hemlock forest of northern Pennsylvania. The legend holds, if I may, that the creature's skin is ill-fitting, being covered with warts, and that, because it is ashamed of its appearance, it hides from plain sight. And if it is seen, well, I'm afraid it retreats to weep. I'll be honest, that's the least bad thing it could do when seen. Like, I was I was expecting something much... It's just a real tender... It's a real tender boy. Uh... It's a real tender softman. Um Okay, that tracks. I will say, you know, it doesn't fit perfectly because I think um, I think Ev sort of wears uh, his softness uh, c- comfortably. I don't think like he's uh, he's gonna weep when his softness is seen. But you mean you mean Kev? Kev, yeah. Okay, I thought you said Ev. Oh, uh, I mean Kev. Um, so yeah, the squonk. Um, he's just a gentle boy. He's a gentle boy who cries hot, earnest tears uh, at the cruelty of the world. And I really think that the squonk would love a a big backyard. That's beautiful. Who do we have left? Well, I mean... That's it, right? We've got Cregan. Oh, right. And we've got... We got to do Stevie P. Oh. But I will say, I think Stevie P is obvious, and I don't think we need to spend too much time on him. No, no. The Sasquatch. The Sasquatch, right? Yeah. Uh, Because of how political he is. Political, but isolated, Mm -hmm. alone, cut off from the rest of the cryptids. Right, and like publicly, people are obsessed with with Sasquatch, like high image in comparison to the other cryptids we're mentioning. But like, but they don't go, they don't go seek him out. They don't go see him. No. No. Although there is a town somewhere in the West where they have a thriving Sasquatch tourism industry, Mm. like the uh, board of tourism for this like state has like they they will issue like bigfoot hunting licenses and uh cool. have like bigfoot themed everything stores restaurants banks all that yeah so it, i mean like and which fits again for steve who has really passionate really dedicated fans who seek him out but otherwise just kind of flies under the radar for a lot of people yeah yeah and sasquatch famously used to have a lot more money than he does now yeah, that's tough. Okay, so how about Jim? All right, so 
Jim, I think Jim is kind of the hardest, but yeah, hear me out. Krieg. Orbital Kingfisher. Yeah, I could see that. It's sort of um, kind of angular and hungering, right? Yeah, I think that I think that uh, like the Orbital Kingfisher, it's easy for it's easy for Jim to slip under the radar. It's easy for Jim to be missed by people. Right. Orbital Kingfisher, so high up. Yeah. Right? Oh, orbital. Orbital. Yeah. How are you going to see that? How do you know when he's coming? Like we have so few pictures of the orbital right. kingfisher. And uh, that said, like when he comes down, when he when he really <sighs> swings down there, like you feel it. Yeah, like a thunderbolt. Yeah, coming down into mountain lakes to eat inscrutable, you know, barely corporeal entities. Yeah, and I, to me, if I'm thinking about what eats inscrutable, barely corporeal ent- entities, I'm thinking Jim Cregan. Yeah, Jim Cregan, 100%. That's almost too perfect. That's almost like I think that's probably why C's wrote the question. <sighs> Do you feel like we went too easy on that one? Like no. We need to go... No, I mean, look, okay. we don't we don't always have to bring irony into this. Sometimes, like, we just, we answer the questions, you that's, know? That's true. You know, we have a, we have a tendency to complicate things. Yeah. And... Sometimes that's not healthy. Sometimes we just need to remember like, hey, all we are is just two good buds yep. who wanted to talk about a band neither of us likes that much. Yeah. And uh, then got stuck doing it for literally years of our lives. Yeah. Tale as old as time, man. Happens. It happens. Listeners, if any of your friends ever say, hey, we should start a podcast. Say no. You just say, Brother? Drop that friend. Let's do it. All right. So you have two competing worldviews here. We'll see which one you go with. Which way, Western <laughs> man? Evbo. What do you got to plug today? Uh, uh, you know, I normally don't, I normally don't love to do, uh, to do plugs, but I'm just so ding dang excited because I have a novel coming out soon. It is called To Chart the Clouds, and yeah. I will say the early reader reviews are already up. There, uh, you can you can find some on Goodreads where it has a four point three out of five. I right saw now. that. You're I'm, getting some glowing early reviews. I'm ecstatic, right? Like you, I think a lot of the life of a writer is a bit of a solitary one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you spend a lot of time working on something, not knowing how it'll be received. And the fact that people seem to be enjoying this is really, really nice. It's uh, so, yeah, I mean, it comes out uh, in January, I believe it's called. Yeah. January 4th. So it's coming up just a couple of weeks. Can't get it as a Christmas present. But if you get a sweet Christmas gift card to chart the clouds, a legend of the five rings novel, I will say going to be approachable even if you don't know much about legend of the five rings that said it is incredible that you got to write for such a a legacy property like that and i don't know if listeners know but i mean you're an expert on on both cartography and uh japanese history uh you know you're a uh a a serious publishing uh novelist and writer for you know properties like the black library you know legend of the five Rings. it's Really cool, really cool that you've uh, you have that novel coming out. Well, you know what? Thank you, thank you. That's that that means a lot to me. But I will say, 
I'm not the only talented person in this room. What? There's someone else in this room. I, uh, what do you have to plug, Saker? Twist my arm. My uh, nerdcore hip-hop group, 2D6, has a new album, our eighth album, coming out ever so soon. The title is You Just Can't Have One. Wait, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this title, is this a title debut? Did you just debut 2D6, You Just Can't Have One? You're goddamn right I did. On this my my main intellectual baby oh, this podcast okay and where will people be able to uh listen where, where should people go would you say Bandcamp? yeah check out our Bandcamp. check out our uh facebook page do you have a uh, soundcloud yeah probably <laughs> you can go to uh 2d6music.bandcamp.com and yeah check it out i'm really proud of it you know I love that we can be earnest uh, about our uh, our projects and really just like, you know, be in touch with our emotions and really just take moments to express serious pride in our in our artistic pursuits. You know, somewhere out there, there's probably a world where you and me, Saker and Evan, don't have the kind of open, loving relationship that we do now. Oh. You know, uh, we don't feel comfortable promoting our, our work. We don't feel comfortable talking about how much we appreciate one another. Yeah. And we rarely, if ever, kiss with tongue. And I'm glad that in this reality, we God, don't God, that's to worry a sad that. thought. God, yeah. I care, I don't, I don't I care want, about you, man. So I don't deeply. want to live in that other world. No, well, we don't. Thankfully, we don't. Good. And we care about you, listeners. My God, do we care about you. Each and every little hair on your beautiful, wonderful heads. And elsewhere if you're bald. All of them. All of the hairs. And listen, if you're listening to this podcast now, if you're hearing my voice, if you're the kind of listener that listens to every episode... That, it's a nice voice. Uh, that listens to every episode, that picks up on subtle differences from one episode to another, if you're that kind of listener, tell me you've left an iTunes review... Tell me that you've shared this project with, with your friends. Uh, I mean, it just takes a moment, and my my goodness, it means just the world to us. It really does. Yeah, we it love you. It really does. I love you. I love you. I want to enter a new stage of our parasocial relationship, listener. Take and it we to can. the next level. We can enter that new stage if you just... Like, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Tell a friend. Five-star podcast. Five-star runtime. Long iTunes review that I can read on the podcast. Oh, yeah. And that we can feel warm togetherness in this community we've built together. Don't you want to hear that voice reading your review? This is your podcast. This is a podcast for the people. Good night, people. I'm Saker. And I'm Evan. And we'll see you again in one week. week.